The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Well, hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the show. This is a bit of a a special episode for for me and for my girlfriend, uh, Lola, Lola Slider gets to go back to work. So if you've been listening to the show consistently during the, the COVID era, you'll know that Lola has essentially become the, the co-host of, of this podcast. And I'm really proud to say that uh, today, uh, April 26th, Lola gets to go back to work. Scotland gets to go back to work piercing. So all those different piercers who have been on lockdown since last December, basically, you get to go back to work. I'm so excited for you. That's amazing. Uh, the the rest of the UK got to go back to work uh, about two weeks ago at this point. Uh, I'm sure everybody is kind of right in the thick of it. Uh, I just want to say that I'm very proud of of your your industry, of your community. Um, tensions, you know, when, when you're in lockdown, it gets kind of stressful because you don't necessarily have an outlet for your energies sometimes. So I'm really glad that I get to see all of these piercers leave Facebook and go back to their shops. I, I think it's a, a very uh, a very positive thing for a, a lot of people. Uh, Lola especially. So congratulations there. We do um, a pretty long interview, you know, about an hour or so, talking about some of the different steps that Lola has had to go through to, to get ready for reopening, some of the different stresses. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other piercers out there are going to be able to relate to that. Uh, some of the... Uh, start and go, stop and start kind of a thing. Um, it, it can be really fatiguing just kind of sitting around and, and waiting for you to be able to go back to your career. So for all the people who are freshly back to work, I'm very happy for you. So uh, let's let's talk a, a little bit about some of the journey that, that Lola had. But before we get into that, uh, you know I need to give you a couple of plugs. I've got a lot of educational content available right now. That's a, a big thing that I've been focusing on the, the last few months, and I have a lot of plans coming down the pipeline for the spring and the summer. But I really just want to uh, point out really quickly, this episode is going to publish on Monday, April 26th, 2021. Uh, So if you're listening to this within the first few days of it coming out, uh, this Sunday, May 2nd, I'm going to have a completely free class on needles. I've been putting up some polls uh, to my Patreon supporters, uh, asking what kind of content they're they're most interested in, and needles was the the winner. So I I put together a presentation. Uh, It's going to be one of those like casual information sessions similar to some of the other Patreon content. I'm going to be just talking about needles in general for an hour, hour and a half, I would guess. And I've got a lot of information to to share with you. Some piercers might think it's uh, pretty basic, but I try to take a step back. So imagine that you don't already have access to all the things that you want to use in your studio. Uh, Sometimes it's difficult to really kind of break down what's the difference between different needle manufacturers. So 
I put together a survey. I shared it with some of the needle manufacturers that I have a working relationship with. So, a um, couple different companies. You know, the 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 big names, the the common names in high end needles that you would recognize. Uh, submitted some information through a survey. I'm going to talk about some of the differences between their companies. Uh, some of them have coatings on their needles, whether it's silicone or Teflon. Some of them are offering. Uh, bulk needles only and you sterilize them yourself. Some are offering pre-sterilized needles. I'm going to talk about some of the issues there. Uh, different needle lengths, different needle gauges and sizes. Is it uh, appropriate or, or necessary to upsize your needle? I'll be touching a little bit on the difference between cannula needles and, and blade needles for those piercers who are outside of, of North America. Uh, big parts of Europe, the UK, Central and South America are, are using cannulas, so I'm going to talk about those and the difference of blade needles and maybe transitioning into that. And I'll also talk about uh, chamfer needles a little bit. So that will be uh, like an O needle, uh, a biopsy punch uh, style needle, but made for body piercing specifically. So I'll be talking about all those things. I'm going to do uh, a live and free session of that on Sunday, May 2nd. You can get all the info by uh, checking out Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. I'll be posting a, a public uh, invitation link there. And this session will be recorded and put on Patreon. Um, I'm going to try to basically fill the gaps. Um, the, the APP's online education, especially their summer plans, are, are going to be really robust. Uh, you have other piercers out there who are putting out more like technique content classes. Uh, Luis Garcia just recently did a, a great class um, on high nostrils for Neil Med. Uh, and, and other people. So I'm trying to fill in the gaps of just like some of the general information that, that kind of gets left out of some of the conversations in uh, big seminars and big educational events. So I want to talk a, a little bit about uh, what I have available on Patreon and then I'm going to shut up and, and we'll get into uh, the, the Lola interview. But uh, I have a, a brand new video on there. It's about 25 minutes long about understanding healing times and, and downsizing. Uh, Lola's helping me out in that video. It's pretty informative. I've got some uh, surface piercing content. Um, I've got that uh, hour-long class all about gloves and all the differences of uh, different kinds of gloves. I've got my progressive considerations for nipple piercing class. Uh, I've got a video about how to make your own disposable connector pins for 18-gauge and 16-gauge jewelry. And I've got a two-hour class all about statum basic usage and general maintenance. So I've got a lot of content there. And that's all available at patreon.com slash ryanpba on the $15 tier. Sign up whenever you want. You can cancel whenever you want. Uh, one month at a time. Watch all the videos in a month and cancel. I'm, I'm cool with it. But, you know, maybe stick around for a little bit because I've got a lot of plans. Got the needle class in May. I've got uh, additional plans for June and July also. So I'm going to try to keep that content rolling for you. So... Let's go ahead and get into this uh, this interview. We talk a lot about, you know, managing your stress and, and going from, you know, you're sitting around in your pajamas all day for months on end and now you have to go back into work. So it's going to be very stressful. It's going to be very fatiguing, very tiring. You know, make sure you're giving yourself breaks. Make sure you're giving yourself some, some breathing room or, or time to do your administrative tasks and all the little things around the studio, cleaning and all that stuff. And uh, we also talk a little bit about um, Jeff Saunders' uh, recent aftercare class. Uh, it was a really informative class. We, we get into that in the interview, so I'll, I'll leave it for there. But let's go ahead and get into this conversation with uh, Lola, Lola Slider. And um, she's back to work at Forest Piercing in Glasgow. I'm so excited. And stick around a little bit at the end of the podcast for a special message from hardcore legend Mick Foley. So, welcome back to the Piercing Wizard podcast podcast. 
Uh, I'm Ryan, and this is Lola Slider. Lola Slider. Um, it's gonna be a it's it's a big week because you finally get to go back to work. Yes. And um, first off, I just want to say that I'm very proud of you for all the things you've managed to work through uh, during this lockdown. So you, you've been in lockdown since December. And in that time, I've seen you do all kinds of work in your web shop. I've seen you do all kinds of work uh, in your actual studio with new flooring and new fixtures and organizing and tidying it up and also making it like look really fancy, getting in all kinds of new jewelry and, and getting ready for, for reopening. So I guess that the easiest thing to start with is just by asking you like, how does it feel getting ready to go back to work finally? There's definitely a very different vibe this time going back to work than there was after the first lockdown. Um, and I think that, that that has kind of been like bleeding out into into a lot of personal service, personal care type um, businesses and, and beyond that. So not just specifically piercing studios, but I've definitely noticed a, a vibe of extreme apprehension. Um, and I think that it's just because in Glasgow in particular, there have now been, you know, three separate lockdowns, like like three complete shutdown and go homes and like I think after having been through three it's hard to gear up and get everything ready and be like yeah we're going back to work without just thinking like well the same thing's just going to happen again like it, it's difficult to like you know relaunch yourself over and over and over again it, it takes quite a lot of energy um, yeah. and you want to keep your energy up you know for your clients and um, you know, engaging with people on social media and stuff, but it is it is difficult to kind of effectively be opening your business kind of over and over and over again. Yeah, um, I you know I, I've I've started to get the the general sense that a lot of these other businesses that are kind of in a similar position that they want to make the most of it um, because they they do feel that way where you know maybe next month things will change or maybe restrictions or this or that or whatever. Uh, I think it's important to, to keep a balance of like, yes, you want to be able to present quality work. You want to attract clients and all that stuff. But sometimes I get worried that all these piercers going back to work uh, are, are going to try to make up for lost time and maybe push themselves a little too hard or add on, extra hours or not give themselves breaks and, and all that stuff. So for, for you also, but for any other piercers that are kind of in that same space of like just getting back to work, um, try to run yourself at maybe like half speed for the first couple of weeks and, and just build into it and ease into it. Because just like everybody else in the world is like mega stressed out from everything. And like, you can see those effects when you go to certain stores or you hear about certain conflicts people are having, a lot of it is just like stress and fatigue and you don't want to have to um, burn yourself out like within just a few weeks of going back to work. Yeah, like after the first lockdown ended last, you know, it was at various times throughout the different countries within the UK, but around July kind of time, um, there was uh, like a huge sense of, oh, we're getting back to work and lockdown's over and we're just going to have to get used to the new normal. And then it's like, 
you know, like the barometer just constantly kept changing. So there, there was no new normal to get used to. People worked for a while, then local lockdown started, which Glasgow fell into. And then, you know, it was Christmas time and then the national lockdown started again. So um, the mood has definitely changed a lot, I think, in terms of people going back to work. You know, the first time people were going back to work, there wasn't the same apprehension. I think people were just like, oh, thank goodness we're getting back to work. And it was just a lot more one dimensional, whereas now... <clears throat> it feels like there's a lot of different layers to people's anxiety around going back to work. The fact that they are more anxious and less willing to believe that this will be it. Um, and there's also been a lot more worry about <clears throat> client interaction and, you know, just the human element of dealing, trying to mitigate people's expectations as to what you can do and what you can't do. Um, I think people have grown really frustrated with the amount of people who still you know, over a year in don't seem to understand there are things that they can't do that they used to be able to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, having to have that conversation with almost every client can be pretty exhausting. So I think that there's a lot of different ways um, people are feeling more apprehensive, more fatigued um, than maybe they would have done after the first lockdown or even the second one if they were in a, a local one. So there's just a totally different kind of vibe not to be negative, but it, it does feel like there's more of an atmosphere of apprehension. I think if anybody's gotten used to a new normal, this unfortunately is what the new normal is. It's this thing of like, well, I don't really know what next month will be. I can look at what's right in front of me. And if people give me a, a reopen date, I know that I can reopen, but I don't necessarily know for how long. And I think that that kind of has become the new normal for a lot of people because you in the UK, you've had multiple lockdowns piercers across the world and piercers across the US especially have had lockdowns come and go a lot of start and stop and I think that that kind of is the new normal it's work as safe as you can within the constraints of when you're allowed to work legally and then maybe things will will change I'm, I'm glad that you've gotten gotten support at least government support seems to have started to catch up a little bit it's not where I would want it to be uh, compared to some some of the support available and like the US as an example like I've gotten pretty pretty good support it's good to see that you're you're finally getting good support for like restarting yeah I mean you know like for all there is more of like a you know like like I say an atmosphere of apprehension I'm, I'm definitely nowhere near in the mental space that I was in last summer um, last summer what felt like an eternity, but was just kind of three or four months into the pandemic, there really wasn't support actually getting to people. There was like talk of a support and we're going to implement things and do things. But actually it took several months for most businesses to see any support, which for a new business like mine, you know, like as people that listen to the podcast will know meant like months and months of unpaid rent. But at that point, there was also no promise of getting the money, it was still, well, you'll have to apply and that's gonna take months. And it was a really slow process, which seems to have sped up now um, that they've kind of gotten to grips more with what they're doing. And I know that part of that was because it's an unprecedented circumstance, but being in that space, being isolated and, you know, for, for a really long period of time and just every day waking up more in debt without any kind of end goal or, or you know, finish line was, it's really devastating. So, I mean, I'm worried about going back to work and what that involves, but I'm nowhere near in the place that I was, you know, like the first time there was a lockdown. This, I mean, this, that was my first year 
like owning a studio and like having a, a property to manage. So obviously all of the overheads for that don't go away. You know, like it's not like being an employee where you can just kind of go home and just worry about your bills. You have your bills, but you also have all of the businesses. So I would wake up and instantly I would just be like, I'm several hundred pounds more in debt today. And all I've done was wake up, you know, like mm. I'm not even gotten out of bed and it's there. And it would just be like that every day for like a hundred days before there was any kind of help or support. So like, I'm in a, way better position now um you know just with all of the the various things that I've been doing to keep the studio alive um up until this point so I mean I'm, I'm I'm nervous about going back to work but it's nowhere near like what last summer was like well from the outside looking in you're like massively prepared not to say that you were unprepared last time like you were also prepared then but I've watched you take that time and kind of like micromanage in the best way, micromanage all these different aspects of your shop, like going in and spending a couple of days just organizing drawers to make sure that your workflow is as easy as possible and you know where every little bit and bob lives. Um, all the different like aesthetic things you've done to, to just make it look really warm and inviting and somehow keeping all those plants alive. Um, it's, it's great just to see like how well prepared you are. And I'm really excited to see what comes with reopening. I'm glad that I'm glad that you've given yourself a lot of break time. I'm glad that you haven't opened up your booking system for like seven days a week. I, I was really worried at first because I knew that you would want to make up for some lost time. And I'm just really happy to see the way you're going about it. It seems just very smart and, and calculated and gives you lots of room to grow. Well, you know, I, I've really tried to like utilize the time as best as possible to just make my life a little bit easier going back to work um, and just being aware of, you know, if, if I have a worry, then I try and come up with a solution to what that worry is. You know, if I wake up in the night and I'm like, what if this happens? And then I'll try and come up with a solution for that and implement it, you know, beforehand. So I've tried to do a lot of things around the studio that will make me less stressed when I'm actually back to work, because all I want is to just concentrate on clients. Like I want someone to come in, I want us to chat, I want us to select jewelry, and then just go through the whole piercing experience. And just that's it. I don't I don't want to have to be kind of spinning plates those first few weeks that I'm back trying to manage di different aspects. That's yeah. one of the reasons that I like emptied out my web store and kind of I left it up just with some like spare beads and aftercare and stuff like essential things people might need but everything else I just took off and I'd been putting up notices for the last couple of weeks saying like just so everyone knows for the next few weeks the web store is just pretty much going to be offline because yeah. I like I'm pretty good at recognizing now when I'm just trying to manage too many things and I hate trying to do more than I can do and doing it all badly. I, I would rather scale everything else back and just focus on people coming in, getting piercings done and having a good experience. That's, that's mm -hmm. all I want at this point. I think that's what, I think that's what clients need also. And I think that that's honestly the best way to service them. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to do anybody any good to have like a manic exhausted body piercer who's trying to do 10 things at once who's maybe being short or cross with a customer because they're frustrated that they're in the middle of all these projects while someone is 
showing up, you know, two minutes late to a scheduled appointment or, or something like that. And I know because that's, that's happened to me. Like you've, you've had to tell me plenty of times over the last weeks, especially to just like try to slow it down a little bit, to try to not do everything at once every day. Uh, and that's, that's a tough lesson for me to learn. So I think it's important to, to put that out there into the, the podcast universe um, for all these other people, because you're, you're just going back now, but um, the rest of the UK, they've been back for what? One week, two weeks, um, almost two weeks. Yeah. About 10, about 10 days at this point, I think. And people seem to be doing pretty good. Like I've been keeping an eye on some studios and people seem to be really enjoying being back at work. Um, I think the longer days and kind of brighter weather kind of helps a, a huge amount as well. And, um, you know, like it seems to be going good. Um, so that's really encouraging, you know, like as somebody that's about to go back to work, um, at least getting to see some other people back at work already and doing well. Um, but there, I, I think there are a couple of things that I've, I've been noticing on, you know, as much as you and I try to avoid Facebook, we have so many conversations where we're like, oh, Facebook, piercers on Facebook. Um, and I have been noticing a lot of piercers lately. Um, some of them in the, in those waves of like, you know, we've just gone back to work. They're kind of falling into that same trap that I did where you just get really upset when customers are showing up five minutes late to appointments or maybe don't have an ID or don't, you know, they're, they're maybe not as prepared for their appointment as you are. And I, I also just want to put it out into the space of like, try to be compassionate, but also try to eliminate problems like that before it happens. Just like we like to say on the show all the time, the Jeffism of like, if it's predictable, it's preventable. Like people are going to be late to their appointments or not show up with things unless you like saturate them with reminders basically yeah. um we had the episode that we recorded before of me in, in that frustration point where it's like i'm back to work with maybe a new appointment system and you know people aren't you know big shock people aren't reading an entire page of policies before they they schedule their appointment so like my my system has had to evolve quite a bit. The way that we remind people of things, inform people of things has had to evolve quite a bit. And I see a lot of other piercers um, getting really frustrated in that space. And it's like, there are lots of different things you can do for your logistics to, to try to minimize that stress before it happens. So I just don't want to see something like that happen to people when they're going back to work. I want them to be able to enjoy their time and, and just remember why they love body piercing and you know, give their clients the the best experience they can because clients need this just as bad as we do. They need something for catharsis or release or satisfaction. That sounds like we're doing hand jobs, but um, you know, just something nice for people. Yeah, happy ending is what people. Yeah, you know, to. you really just want a happy ending for your piercing visit. Um, I I think the other thing as well is as well as like present pre preventing that be that behavior and you know like doing what you can to actually like educate your clients on everything they need to bring and what they need to do um you know there's always going to be people that slip through like there are always going to be people that either you know don't read it or you know whatever miscommunications take place it can never be foolproof so I always think that it's like just important to bear in mind that one of the other things that we can really do to help prevent getting overly frustrated at work is just practice being able to put things down um, when we maybe have like a negative interaction. 
you know, because you can have 10 great customer interactions and then you deal with one person who's maybe really rude or unpleasant or angry because they haven't brought along their ID or maybe they've turned up so late for an appointment that their appointment time can't now be fulfilled and they're just angry and they take it out on you because you're the person that's there, um, as unfair as that is. And then you end up kind of carrying that around with you all day. And you see it a lot again on Facebook, people being like, oh, this happened to me at work today. And, you know, it, it obviously makes sense to blow off steam, which is what, what Facebook can be good for sometimes. But, you know, it, it is difficult sometimes to try and just let go of some of that anger. Don't even talk about it. Don't even think about it anymore. Just chalk it up as a, wow, they were rude. Anyway, on with the rest of my day, you know, yeah. um, that's all it is. It's just somebody being angry and in the moment um, and it's nothing that you need to worry about or take home with you it's just something that happened just like when someone's pleasant to you mm -hmm. yeah uh we've had plenty of conversations especially when i was in that point of my you know reopening process and, and getting used to an appointment only system and it, it it really helped me a lot when you just said like it's an unrealistic standard and unrealistic expectation that you're going to be able to maintain 100% efficiency with all your appointments and that everybody is going to be just as prepared as you are and et cetera, et cetera. So now I, that's what we really try to look at when, when we started with reopening, it was like, you showed up five minutes late. We're charging you the cancellation fee because our time is valuable. And now it's like, if somebody shows up and something happens, it's like, Oh yeah, cool. No, we'll just reschedule you for another visit. That's, you know, what, no harm, no foul. Um, usually it happens with people that book very last minute appointments because we're doing reminder calls where we go over IDs and stuff like that. But, um, if people book like the day of, they're not going to get all of those same reminders and calls and stuff. So sometimes people show up, uh, they're not able to get pierced or get the service or whatever. And we have to stop acting like that one interaction negates all the other positive interactions we've had that day even on a really busy walk-in day, some of those clients are going to have to walk out without getting serviced. And that's just part of the business. So go easy on yourself. Not everything has to be a crisis. We're all going to be really on edge, especially the ones who are just going back to work now. Every small little inconvenience is going to feel like a crisis, but try to step back from it and realize that like, you know, if you're making 90% of people happy, you're doing excellent. So just don't worry about the other 10%. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit because I, I think that so many of these piercers who have been on lockdown have been focusing kind of like you on bettering themselves, career advancement, what they can do to stay motivated, engaged, inspired as a body piercer. And I think a, a big portion of that has been the amount of online education for piercers. And you and I both took uh, Jeff Saunders aftercare fundamentals class. Yes. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit because I thought it was really good. I really like Jeff's classes because it's very logical and it doesn't just tell you the answer and expect you to memorize it. It, it, it tells you the answer, but it gives you the information of how you get to that answer. Um, and it helps body piercers like think out a problem rather than just try to memorize how to solve a problem. Well, yeah, you... I really enjoyed the class too. I, I I don't know if it's something that he's done before or if it's something similar to what he's done before, but when I watched it, I'm, I'm sure that some of the things that he said, I'm sure that I've heard him say before in other classes, but it was great to take the class again because I'd completely forgotten all of it, um, you know, like just over time and everything. So it was really, really good to take the class. And um, 
I we've talked before about what to expect from taking a class and it's unreasonable to expect that you take a class and it's revolutionary and mind-blowing a huge amount of the benefit from attending classes within the community is the the validation and just the the you know affirmment that what you're doing um is accurate and is up to date so um I, I think that there was a really great mixture in there of useful advice and, uh, you know, modern advice and, and technique, but also um, a lot of reassurance about the way people operate, which I think is sometimes just as valuable um, as receiving new information is just receiving reassurance that the information that you're using is accurate and correct. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. When I, when I take classes, I don't expect that, the entirety of the class is going to be all brand new information. Uh, you know, at this point, I've I've seen plenty of aftercare classes over the years. I've talked with lots of body piercers about their their methods and everything. And um, in those classes, like if I get one or two little tips or tricks, or if I feel like, oh, okay, okay, good. You know, I I feel like I'm I'm going on the right path. Like that's really what I want to get out of classes. I'm not expecting it to be. Oh my God, I've never heard these concepts before, but even just getting reassured that what you're doing is, is valid, um, is really, it's really important for body piercers, especially piercers that maybe don't have a lot of access to mentoring or shadowing or things like that. It can be very reassuring for them to be like, okay, cool. So like, you know, I, I, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and it feels really good. You know, what I really like about Jeff's classes is, um, it's like a full thought, which yeah. is something that like you and I talk about a lot privately is like when there's like a full thought or half a thought or like a barely formed thought, you know, and sometimes you'll see advice or critique or feedback that doesn't really feel complete. You know, like it feels like half of a thought, um, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, but it mm -hmm. doesn't elaborate on that. It doesn't fully explain why it doesn't fully explain what you should be doing either. So it's not really a fully formed thought. Whereas with Jeff's classes, they're, they're all fully formed thoughts. If he's going to explain something to you, he's going to show you what he did, often with practical experimentation within his studio. And, you know, it's just, it's really nice to see the ways that he actually backs up the statements that he makes. So they're not just, yeah. they're not just musings, you know, they're not just thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really enjoy his classes in that sense that I feel that they're full of like completely formed thoughts, not just kind of, you know, half formed thoughts. Yeah. A good example of that is he'll say, um, okay, this is a common problem. And then this is what I would suggest to try to, uh, you know, avoid or eliminate the problem, but he doesn't just leave it there. He says like, okay, let's, let's step back a little bit. This is what I think is the cause of the problem. And then, you know, this is a common result of that problem. And then this is what I would suggest to do it. And here's why, but here's why it might not work in every scenario. Here's why it might work in this scenario. And then it, like, it, it really helps. Uh, my, my favorite analogy is like the cards in a deck kind of a thing. He wants you to understand how to play each and each individual card. Yeah, he, he had a lot of really great examples about jewelry and like the role that that can play in wound healing and stuff as well, which was... Um, just really, really interesting. He has a really good perspective that I think is really well-rounded when it comes to aftercare. Um, and just like any anything else, just like learning bevel theory or learning any other practical application, 
like aftercare is still like a cause and effect type thing where experimentation can be required and documented just the same as anything else. So um, it was great to kind of see his, his findings and his thoughts and everything. Yeah. For the um, Letha, Litha, however you would pronounce it, the, you know, leave it the hell alone kind mm -hmm. of a, a method. I really liked where he got to that point where he was talking about how it just flip flops from one pole to the other when it comes to aftercare, because when, when I start, first started getting into to piercing, I don't think a lot of people really understood what was going on with wound healing. So it was still very much like put a bunch of chemicals on it. Cause that's what you do when you scrape your knee. And then as aftercare evolved uh, and went through all these different generations, you know, Bactine into sea salt solution, into saline solution, all the, all these different evolutions. Now, um, sometimes you get body piercers that that go too far into the leave it alone camp where they're just like, just leave it alone. Just pretend it doesn't exist. And it's like, okay, but piercings are still going to discharge. You're still going to have like crusty buildup on it. So like what happens in reality when people have that crusty buildup, it's not going to just fall off. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's going to get stuck under an end piece and it does need some physical manipulation to, to clean it away. But then the opposite of that is like, you know, people picking at their piercing and being way too aggressive about it. So it's like, you want to be able to give somebody aftercare advice that's easy to digest, where they understand the things they need to avoid, understand the things they need to do. And like, they can just get dialed into a sweet spot instead of these poles of like, just spray some saline on it. And other than that, don't touch it versus like, well, I'm not putting anything in it on it at all. I'm just picking off the crust when it builds up. It's really important to have like a happy medium where you're saying, okay, try these things. But in this scenario, try these things and like helping the client understand why they should be doing it. And um, especially when it got to the point about the Q-tips, because I think some piercers are like, absolutely, don't you dare use any sort of a cotton product because you're going to get fibers all over it. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like you got you to gotta clean the piercing. So what, what, do you, what do you take from that? Like, how would you, how would you distill what Jeff says and, and transfer it to a client? Well, First of all, you know, obviously I don't mean any disrespect, but I long for a life where my biggest concern is people using cotton buds. Yeah. Like it, it just seems like if you're at that point in your career, like everything else in your shop just must be running seamlessly to the point that you're having to find, you know, other ways to make improvements, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But for me, aftercare has to be, accessible you know like when we talk about healing times you know when you say something's going to take a year to heal realistically we know that people aren't going to be cleaning it for a full year they aren't going to be doing everything they should for a full year but we want to give them the highest expectation possible so that they'll do as much as they can so that's yeah. why you almost overshoot sometimes with aftercare because a lot of the time maybe they will heal a little bit faster than that or maybe they'll have a really easy healing experience but you kind of want them to be prepared for the long haul so that you can get them to hang in there for as long as possible um, and so I kind of feel that when it comes to aftercare if you're setting your sights too high what you're going to end up with is people not bothering at all yeah. Um, people are more like, I, I would rather somebody wasn't cleaning their piercing perfectly, but they were maybe getting it, you know, 80% right and, and cleaning their piercing most of the time because nobody is going to do it perfectly for the duration or very few people are. So in my location, um, in, in, in Scotland, sterile saline isn't something that you can buy at a pharmacy. 
Um, it's not, and well, you can buy it, you, you can buy, um, you know, contact lens saline, which is not the same thing. It's not pressurized and it loses its sterile status once the cap's open. Um, well, it's so got all those chemical additives yeah, too. Exactly. So that's out, but it just says sterile saline on it. So that's very mm. confusing for a consumer. So you can understand why a customer would, would use contact lens saline because it just says sterile saline on it, even though there's other stuff in it, even though it loses sterility, like, it literally says sterile saline. So there's only so frustrated you can be a client for that because it literally yeah. says what it is on it, the same as an actual pressurized sterile can of saline. Um, the only the only genuine sterile saline uh, things that I've ever seen in a pharmacy in Scotland were like really, really small baby sinus rinses. And they were like 15 mil. They were really tiny. So not something that, you know, you would spend a fortune buying those up. Um, so for years and years, the norm was making your own sea salt solution. Um, and then we then started to stock sterile saline um, for people to buy and getting them to, to switch over to buying their own. Um, you know, that was a big challenge because it was, oh, I'll just make my own. And then most of the time they would then not make their own. So it's not even that the biggest worry would be them making it badly. It would be that they just wouldn't bother doing it. And I would just say that to people. I would be like, well, you know, it's not it's not so much the money or, you know, thinking about if it's better or worse or safer or unsafer, because at this point, all people know is cleaning their piercings with homemade sea salt solution. So it's hard to kind of pitch to them that it doesn't work if they have used it successfully many times. So I would just be like, yeah, but it's, it's more the convenience factor. You've got it there. You come in, you don't have to make a whole thing. You're just cleansing your piercing with the sterile saline it takes seconds to do. And then you're, you know, so it was more that. And people would then be like, yeah, you're right. Actually, I can't be arsed making it. And they would just buy it. So, you know, getting people onto buying sterile saline was a kind of a big challenge, but you know, that kind of caught on. And then obviously cotton buds are something that are available in most people's homes as, you know, clean, disposable. Now, at least here anyway, they're all made of paper instead of plastic, you know, for environmental purposes. And so when it started to kind of become like, oh, well, you should be using lint-free gauze, um, which is something that Jeff covers in his class and goes into some detail about why that may not be the best thing, which is, you know, another thing that makes the class totally worth seeing. Where are people going to be getting lint-free gauze? You can't get sterile saline in a boots here. So where are you going to be getting lint-free gauze? So then you're also going to be having to sell your clients lint-free gauze as well as the saline. And I, I just feel that knowing your customer, there is a limit to how much they're going to buy and how much they're going yeah. to do. So yeah. I can I can get people on board with the sterile saline. I can get people cleaning their piercings pretty well and pretty consistently. And I just I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that like that's a massive deal. You know, you want your aftercare to be as far reaching and as accessible as possible so that people are most likely to do it. Whereas if you create a standard of, well, it has to be sterile saline and it has to be lint free gauze and you can't get any of these things on the high street. They both have to be either bought in store or by, you know, Internet or whatever. Um, I just feel like you're, you're creating a little bit too much of a barrier between what's accessible for your client day to day. And mm. I just feel that making things as accessible and safe at the same time as possible is gonna produce the most consistent results with aftercare. Um, within the boundaries of my studio, like the physical boundaries of my studio, I want 
the best of the best. I think let plenty of other piercers do. That's why we carry the jewelry we do. That's why we're not all of us, but that's why a lot of us are using things like statums and sterile gloves and, you know, disposable methods and all that stuff. Because like we as body piercers have um, polished and polished and polished and polished and refined what we're doing. And I think sometimes we go a little bit overboard uh, in how we refine the aftercare instructions that we give clients because like, yeah, I, I think a body piercer knows that if you perfectly and meticulously take care of your piercing in that way, that yeah, you're, you're probably going to get some easy healing results, but you have to, you have to realize that once they walk out of the physical boundary of their studio and you're not there to say like, stop touching your piercing, don't do that. Don't do this. Um, you have to make it real world. Um, you have to make it accessible. I'm, I'm very firmly in the camp of like, well, sterile wound wash saline, but that's because in America, it's incredibly easy to get. You can buy it in any pharmacy. You can buy it in lots and lots of piercing studios. So it's not difficult to find. But when I send people home, I'm not going to tell them something like lint-free gauze or whatever, because a lot of people aren't even going to understand the difference between that and non-woven gauze or whatever. They might not even know what gauze is. They might use toilet paper to clean their piercing. So what I want to tell them is something realistic because sometimes people come in and they've read something somewhere else online where it's like, okay, so you want me to mix a sea salt solution three times a day, rinse it off with, with water, pat it dry and do, and you expect me to do this three times a day for a month or however long it's like, well, I know that that's not reality. So reality for me is sprayable saline, I'm going to tell you to use it three times a day. What I tell people is spray it over to the spray it over the area. Um, if you don't have any visible buildup, just let it air dry. If you do have visible buildup, spray some of that saline on the piercing to soften it, and then spray some solution on a Q-tip, and then lightly wipe that buildup off. Um, you know, do that as needed. Don't use your finger to help pick it off. Don't move the jewelry to try to clean under an end piece. And that's really what I tell people. And I, I feel like that's reasonably like realistic for, for real world conditions. Uh, clean off buildup if there is some. If there isn't, just spray the saline on, let it air dry. If you overcomplicate aftercare, I think what you'll get is people that are maybe trying their best for a few days. And then they're like, yeah, my piercing's fine. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that you're right about um, sometimes we can, you know, make our expectations of what clients are prepared to do a little bit unreasonable and I think that there needs to be kind of a balance there because the more people that you can reach and the more likely they are to actually stick with it the less complications your clients are going to have which ultimately means less work for you so I don't want it to be so complicated and you know whether or not people want to admit it expecting people to do a sterile saline cleanse with lint-free gauze is on the other side of accessibility when you can't buy either of those things on the high street sure. um, so you know there's things like cotton buds but you know I, I think that your your location and you know just whereabouts you are in the world in terms of climate as well can be really helpful in how you tailor your aftercare advice and it's one of those little things that you just pick up as you go along um, you know like for example if someone was trying to dry a piercing and maybe a cotton bud doesn't fit comfortably and they do feel like they might potentially be bumping or knocking or if I think that's a risk I would just tell them to use a single sheet of disposable kitchen towel and specify not to use toilet paper because it dissolves on contact and is going to leave a 
lot more, um, you know, just fluff and dust on the piercing. Um, but when you're performing piercing aftercare, you're not looking for implant purposes. You're looking for, you know, hygiene um, of, a, of a level where, you know, you can pat the area around a wound dry. Um, you're not looking at, you know, implant purpose materials when it comes to performing your aftercare. Um, so, uh, I, I think another thing for me is, um, you know, like how you're saying about air drying, it just popped into my head. Um, obviously I live in a really wet climate. And yeah. There's no such thing as air drying in Glasgow. That's true. And, uh, this is actually a conversation I've had with several customers and several American customers as well, which is quite funny because there's a lot of students in the city. So just a really, really mixed population. And I have had several American clients who have, have said, you know, well, my piercer suggests air drying, you know, and I'm like, well, that's fine. But the thing is, um, you know, it's an incredibly damp environment and the majority of tenement buildings in, in Glasgow are very old and they don't have heated bathrooms. So when it comes to things like nipple and navel piercings, I'm like, I would not let that air dry. You're going to want to make sure that you actually dry your body properly. You're going to want to dry the jewelry, you know, in between the jewelry and your skin on your nipple piercings and behind the jewelry in your navel. Um, because if you just go ahead and put your clothing back on, there's still going to be dampness and moisture there. And then that's going to be rubbing there all day. And that's actually a really common hindrance to, to body piercing healing in my area because it's like, it's just very cold and damp and there's very insufficient heating. Um, so I, I think that it's good to kind of like tune in to what's going on in your area kind of in that respect. Um, man, I wish I lived somewhere warmer. <laughs> um, you brought up something that I wanted to use as a way to shamelessly plug some stuff. But when you were talking about healing times and understanding healing times, um, it's, it's a similar, it's a similar conversation. Um, we did a session for Patreon, uh, recently where that was one of the questions that was submitted is like, you know, can you explain common healing times for piercings? And it's the same thing as aftercare where it's like, well, I can explain common piercing times in New Hampshire, yeah. but that's going to be different for Glasgow. That's going to be different from Los Angeles. That's going to be different from Sao Paulo. It's going to just be, it, it's different. So, um, it's really giving people the information about like, well, how does a wound heal? What are the things that affects wound healing? Um, the, you know, the different stages, the four stages of, of healing and, and, and all that. So uh, if you're interested in seeing a video of Lola and I discussing like how to understand healing times, um, that's live now at patreon.com slash Ryan PBA, just uh, understanding healing times and, and aftercare issues. Um, can we talk about the needles thing for a minute? Yeah. Well, so it's short notice. Uh, this episode will be coming out on Monday, April 26. And so if you're listening to it within a few days of when it posts on Sunday, May 2nd, I'm going to be doing a free class about needles. Um, and basically it's, it's my pattern of like, I'm going to do, one free performance of the class and then I'm going to record it and stick it on Patreon for on-demand viewing. But I'm going to be talking about the differences between some of the common needles that body piercers are using. The length and the gauge, yes, but I'll be talking about like coated versus uncoated needles, you know, silicone coating, Teflon coating. I'll be talking about um, 
buying in bulk versus buying pre-sterilized needles. And I'll have some information from a lot of the high-end needle vendors. So I put out feelers to manufacturers from Kawami needles, uh, distributors for Katana needles, that's the point needles, stiletto needles, industrial strength, LLC, sharp ass needles. And I'm going to have some information straight from those vendors just about you know, what, what they think sets their needles apart from other vendors. So I'll be talking about that. Uh, just a, a handful of different things about needles. That was one of my top requested classes from my, my Patreon followers. So Sunday, May 2nd, I'll be doing a free class. Um, you can get the information for that, the event page for that by going to Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. Um, and then my goal is by mid-May, uh, that will be available on demand at patreon.com slash RyanPBA. You want to come and watch me talk about needles this Sunday? Are you busy? Mm, Sunday's my day off. So as long as you don't mind if I'm in my pajamas. Well, that's okay. Um, so classes, you know, I've got my class. Uh, Jeff had his class. Luis just did a class. And that's kind of a way that I want to transition into the next conversation. Um, how many classes do you think you've taken in the last year? I'm not sure. I mean, at least 10. Yeah, I've taken quite a few. We've instructed quite a few together and individually. And I think, um, I think piercers are really enjoying that, giving them something to focus on. But a conversation that you and I have had quite a bit is that um, you have to set a realistic goal for your own growth. Piercers that are already back to work or just heading back to work, you have to, you have, to have the realistic expectation that you can't enact all of this change on day one. It's something that has to be phased in. Some of it's going to require practice and, and refinement. Um, some might, you know, require more in-person learning when we're back to that. So what are your thoughts on, on people who might be just trying to like reinvent the wheel when they're going back to work? Um, I think that's another thing that's really different this time around between, um, you know, going back to work after this lockdown. And this has been four months for me, like in my location, it's been a solid four month, like, you know, Christmas until April 26th is like four months, which is overwhelmingly a big chunk of time. And, you know, like that's why a lot of people tend not to think at the start about how long these things can go on for. But looking back, like that's a sort of a long time to be sat at home, not doing anything. And it's the second kind of significant lockdown as well. Um, so I think mentally, people are in, in quite a different place um, in the sense that when the first lockdown happened, a lot of people believed it was just going to be kind of one and done type thing whilst we got to grips with everything. And people were trying to cram in as much learning as they could. There was a huge surge of like just community educational spirit, a lot of people teaching classes um, and, and just people generally trying to compensate for the fact that they couldn't attend social events together and classes were a way to bring the community together so that you could actually like be surrounded in, you know, by your peers, at least digitally. So there was like a huge sense of that at the time. Um, but, you know, then taking all that, going back to work and applying it, then there were further lockdowns, then this last significant one, um, you know, 
I can't remember half the classes that I took in the last year or what the content of what those classes were. And I think that, you know, people are starting to feel a little bit, um, what's the word, you know, like just fatigued with, uh, with learning things they can't put into action. Um, you know, the great thing about taking classes, you take a class or you go to a conference or convention, you take all that information back to your studio with you pretty much straight away and you start implementing it and experimenting with it. Whereas sitting at home and learning and then not going back to work for months and months and months, the information kind of stagnates. It's a lot easier to forget. And um, I think it can also be overwhelming trying to put the expectation on yourself that not only should you survive this, get back to work and somehow just be magically great at everything you used to be great at, but now you also have to be able to do a whole bunch of new stuff. That seems really unrealistic. Um, so I think that the timing of Jeff's class was great. I think the timing of this needle class is great because it's really fundamental information you can use from the day that you go back to work, you know, like the aftercare stuff in particular, um, it's great to be reassured on that because, you know, most studios reevaluate their, their aftercare kind of annually anyway. Um, but in, in terms of like just simple piercing technique and, and, and theory and, you know, working with needles and all that kind of stuff, a lot of that information that might be considered more fundamental is really more essential than anything else. You know, a lot of people hear fundamental, they think easy when what they should really think is like, really important and need to know yeah. stuff. foundational so, yeah like a, a lot of people misunderstand when they hear words like oh like foundation or you know everyone needs to know this a lot of people mistake is oh this is beginner stuff and you're like no this isn't beginner stuff this is like essential you shouldn't be piercing you know um with any level of experience if you don't understand these very simple concepts about safe piercing and um and, uh, you know, we, we got to go into that a bit when we did our disinfectants class together. A lot of people are like, oh, it's disinfecting. I know how to disinfect something. And in doing that class, it was like, well, there's a lot of people that really don't know how to disinfect yeah. something. Um, and there's a lot of huge gaps in information that people don't fill because they think, oh, it's beginner stuff. I don't need to bother with that. But like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you need to know that? You know, so. Um, well, I, I, Focusing on classes that contain information that you can literally walk into your studio and use and see in front of your eyes for yourself is, is really valuable right now. When it comes to like the disinfectant thing as an example, part of the reason why I like to teach the way that I teach is because I like to get people learning how to think because it, there was a point where I fell into the same trap as a lot of piercers where I heard somebody give an answer and then that became like my dogma where it was like, oh, well, you know, obviously I know how to disinfect because like I wipe this product on this surface. And what I like to use a lot whenever I teach about safety stuff or disinfectant stuff is the same kind of like trick question. I just hold up a random product that somebody might not have any experience with. And I'm like, how long does this need to be in contact with the surface? And like the, the correct answer for any product is always going to be, what does the label say? And that was really the, the main point that we tried to drive home. Because if you look at something at like disinfectant or aftercare or anything that would fall into like fundamentals of safety, um, and you, you present people with that same thing, their answer might be, well, 
obviously this is the, the answer for all scenarios because this is what I, this is what I do in my individual studio, but it's like, but you want to have the knowledge base to understand, okay, what happens if you change shops? What happens if you suddenly own your own shop and you don't have a manager or a boss doing some of these jobs for you? Like you need to be able to think through the process of like, well, how do I actually do this start to finish? And why am I doing it this way? What are my results and, and all that? So that's the main, the main thing that I like to see people taking with them when they go back to work is like their new thought process of how they think through an issue rather than just trying to like copy something and, and just do it blindly. Yeah, I, I think sometimes there's a bit of misunderstanding around um, asking for help. Like uh, I, you, you don't ever want to discourage somebody for, for asking for help when they need it. But sometimes people don't quite push themselves to actually figure out what the answer is before mm. they ask for help, um, which can really stunt their development as, you know, like piercers and just as working professionals. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult kind of thing to convey but I really feel like if you're having a problem, um, you know, like at work in, in any kind of aspect, you should always ask yourself the kind of questions that lead into that problem and see if you can come up with an answer yourself um, before asking for help, before asking for reassurance. You can still do all of that stuff um, and like maybe and see if you're right, you know, like try and come up with the answer yourself. And then if you're not 100 percent confident, definitely seek out support from a peer um, but like have a go at working it out yourself um, because whoever is that's giving you the answer they had to work it out for themselves or the person that told them had to work it out for themselves so you know you need to to keep those skills sharp of, of being able to solve problems that come up because there's so much information that's freely available now so many educational forums and so much free information sharing which is great but like you say it does cause gaps where somebody will just search, see a bit of information, take that information, potentially use it out of context or not fully understanding it because they haven't been at all involved in the process of acquiring that information. They've just found it and gone, well, this is what the answer is. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm very much with you on that. Like I, I'm a big fan of trying your best to figure it out for yourself beforehand. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to discourage anybody for asking for help that needs it. No, I, I, I always love to offer any help I can, but I think sometimes the, um, the level of my engagement with, with someone's question is going to be kind of predicated on like the level of interest of their question. Does that, if that makes sense, like if somebody asks me a quick question where they're just like, what kind of jewelry should I carry in my shop? It's like, well, there are so many parts of that thought process that, that you would need to understand before you get there. And that I would need to know about your scenario. So it's like, I'm, I'm probably not going to engage with someone if they ask like a super vague question like that. But if they're like, okay, you know, what colors would you think would be best to expand into? I've already got white CZ. What would you say or this, you know, and what about sizes or what about specific materials or shapes or designs? And I'd be like, okay, cool. That's a very specific question. I can explain my thought process to this um, because the person's trying to figure it out. And if they just have those gaps, I would like to help fill in those yeah. gaps, but I don't want to have to paint the whole picture for someone. And then all that happens as well, if you paint the whole picture for them is what they're really getting is like your plan. 
you know, yeah. like, and you're set up in your studio, which works for where you are, but it means it's not going to have any of their personality and it's potentially not going to work in their location. So it's not just a case of like, you know, I don't want to give you the information that I have. It's that you need the information to, to be fitting and to be suitable and sustainable for, for their business, which is wholly unique to them. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the great thing about all these classes. And I just don't want it to turn into a negative for anyone. I wouldn't want someone who's spent the last year taking all these webinars thinking that they can just, you know, I'm going to start bevel theory day one. I'm going to, I'm going to switch over all this jewelry. I'm going to completely change my aftercare and all that stuff on day one. Um, if they don't understand all the, all the parts to it. So, uh, just go easy on yourself if you're going back to work. Don't beat yourself up over it too. I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome, but whatever, like, you know, work performance anxiety. If you're going into it thinking like, I really knew what my job was the day before I was closed. Like you still know what your job is the day, the day that you're going back to work. Try not to second guess yourself and convince yourself of like, oh, you know, if I can't do all of these things day one, I'm terrible. It's like, no, no, no. People need to grow into this information. It's taken plenty of people, myself included, years to understand and, and implement some of this information. So just go easy on yourself. If you're in that reopening phase, the same way that you want to make sure that you take breaks to stop and drink water or stretch a little bit or just eat something, um, don't expect that you can try all these tips and tricks on day one. Like grow into it. Start slow, practice, see what your results are, tweak your results and just go from there. A lot of it as well as psychological, you know, like when you work in a space full time, you know, you're there five, six days a week, you inhabit that space and it becomes, you know, more similar to your home in the way that you handle clients and the way that you manage the space. You know, there's a lot to be said for how you physically steer clients through an interaction. And a lot of that confidence comes from you owning the space. Um, and so I think the fact that this time around with reopening in the UK, a lot more people are feeling incredibly anxious about how do I deal? What do I do if someone's rude? What, what do I do if someone starts yelling? And it's kind of like, it's, it's heartbreaking a little bit that psychologically that's the point people have got to where they're just scared of being yelled at. Um, and I think that a lot of that will fade once people get back into the habit of just owning their space and owning their surroundings. Like when I go into the shop, you know, it's, it's been closed for four months and I've been gradually working over the past month or six weeks to get everything back and improve what was there. But during that kind of initial period where it's just a bit of like a ghost shop, whenever I would go in to do maintenance checks, it just feels cold and uninhabited and like this, like a dead space. Um, so like, I think that once people get back into kind of inhabiting their space a little bit more, it makes them more confident and reminds them that if someone is rude, then they just ask that person to leave or withdraw the service from that person. And if the person yells, then they yell. But at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing else that you can really do about it. You know, when, mm. when people feel like, what do I do if this happens? You're like, well, nothing, you know, that person's being horrible. You can ask them to leave the premises and that's pretty much it. Um, but you know, the world's not going to end over it and you're just going to get on with your day and move on to the next client. Um, just try and handle situations with as much calm and grace as you can. Um, and I think that a lot of that is going to come back when people just kind of get used to living in their space a little bit more and not feeling like, you know, strangers coming into a shop that was once theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I'm excited to see you go back. Um, like I've, I've seen all the work you've done. So, uh, you know, advice for other people is just leave work at work when you can. Um, don't let one less than perfect interaction ruin a whole day. I'm trying my best to, to realize that, you know, I, I know what's important in my shop. Uh, people aren't going to get hurt getting a piercing. They're not going to get sick getting a piercing. Um, all the other stuff is just kind of like you, you roll with the punches when it happens. Um, you're you're going you're gonna to go into work with the best intentions, trying to make every piercing perfect and all the, all the luck to you, like trying to, trying to get there. But things are, are going to go less than perfect sometimes. Um, and just try to realize that it, it doesn't invalidate all the hard work you do. It doesn't invalidate the good reputation that you have as a piercer or that your studio has. You're still making your clients happy. And every now and then, you know, something might require some troubleshooting or, or whatever. And, and just try to like, try to put it down at the end of the day. Try not to bring stress home to your families or, or to your personal life. Uh, try not to let work anxiety, ruin your personal time, you know, give yourself a lot of leeway when you go back to work, give yourself a lot of breaks, um, give yourself extra time for how long your appointments are and cut your clients slack where you can, but give them all the information that they need so that they don't really derail your day when, when it's possible to avoid stuff like that. Um, is there anything else on your mind? What, what would you say is has been the most challenging thing for you getting ready? Have there, has there been a single issue like the appointment system or just supply levels or any of that? Well, I mean, my, my appointment system I set up last June. I think before, you know, just before the, the first lockdown ended. And I actually used to work appointments um, for years and years. And when I just opened my shop, it was the first time in my life or the first time in seven or eight years that it had just been exclusively walk-ins because it seemed silly to me to have a booking system when I was a brand new shop with no clients. You know, it was like, if you can get down here, I'll pierce you. So, you know, there's no need to book. Um, but being able to move back into an appointment system because of the pandemic, I was way more comfortable with that. Um, you know, and I've built up my client base as strongly as possible during the lockdowns, just with, you know, social media interaction and trying to promote the studio as much as possible. So fortunately, I have clients to use the system, um, but I, I never really had too much trouble with the appointment system. I like to leave myself lots of time because, you know, over the years, it's just become more and more apparent to me that when people do have more time, they just have better experience. They're more likely to treat themselves. They feel less rushed. So the, the, the money really does come back um, around, you know, like in, in a different way than it does when you just try and maximize the volume of clients that you see instead of maybe the services that they're having done. But that's just yeah. like a, a difference in my business model now. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not super worried about timings. Um, I put a lot of work into the booking system during the first lockdown. Um, and uh, I, so I would say this time around, I was a lot more focused on practical elements um, because obviously the studio was pretty much brand new when the pandemic started. So there was a lot that I wasn't happy with and a lot that I couldn't fix because obviously I wasn't able to earn. There weren't any kind of support systems in place at that time. So there was not, there, you know, I didn't have any resources to do any of the work that was needed. Um, whereas, you know, getting the web shop running, doing some of the private private seminars that I did and just trying to like stay 
as active and working as possible. Um, you know, I've been able to accomplish a few things, little things, but, you know, like getting some artwork for the studio, getting aftercare sheets made and new business cards and, you know, just like looking at, at kind of the, the fun aspects, you know, like of, of branding and just making the space a nicer space to be in. Um, I re-varnished my floor, which I love doing. And not because of the smell of varnish. I wear one of those big, heavy, like industrial proper face masks. But like, I love varnishing the floor because it, you know, like those uh, sand gardens where you rake the sand and try yeah. and make it all smooth. When you're varnishing a floor, you're trying to like apply it all super evenly. And I just find it so relaxing. Um, so I, you know, that, that, that was pretty fun. Um, I would say today is probably even the most challenging. Today, I had to make four trips back and forth to the studio because... Which is how much distance? 2.4 miles. 2.4 miles yeah. of walking. Um, like collectively, not each time. That would be insane. But as, as you know, I don't drive, but I live just a few minutes away from my studio. Um, so... You know, I had to, I've been bringing all of my plants home during each lockdown because obviously the shop will get so cold that, you know, they would die and there would be no daylight for them with it all being closed up. So I've been having to like haul plants back and forth um, and also a chair. So today uh, I kind of got to do the, the many journeys to and from the shop, like bringing stuff back and forth while people just like sat and watched me like every time I went past on the street. Yeah. Um, so like that was kind of challenging, but you should just say that you're like a door to door plant salesman. Yeah. Just minding my business. Um, but there's some, some sweat, sweat equity paid out today. Um, so, I mean, there's been some fun stuff, you know, like just getting to tweak things in the studio to make it the kind of vision I had for it, which I think it's closer to now than it, it definitely was before. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts related to reopening? Just that, you know, I hope that everybody remembers to be kind, um, not not just in like piercing and tattoo studios, but in all service industry related things. And, you know, when bars and restaurants open, I'm always just blown away um, when I see people being rude over like the tiniest and most trivial things. Um, but part of that's comforting because it's like, well, it's everywhere and it happens to everybody. So it's just another thing to remember if somebody is rude to you at work, the chances are that they've been rude to 10 other people that day mm -hmm. um, or, or at least that week, which doesn't make it okay. But, you know, just remember that it's, it's not about you. It's, it's all about them. The problem is a hundred percent with them and, and not with you when people lose their rag and, you know, shout or swear or, or behave badly in your studio for, for no good reason. Um, yeah. it's, it's always about them and, and it's never about you and what you're doing. So in that respect, you know, don't treat it as an opportunity to like re-examine everything in your studio um, and, and, and everything that you do and how you do things. I mean, if you can see something to improve upon, improve upon it. But I think a lot of the time if people just act out. You just got to let it go, move on and, and don't pursue their, don't pursue their business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn, but if you can get to that point, in your career or your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Both of us have definitely like vented to the other and be like, you know what? Fuck this person. But like privately, you know, when you have to blow off steam at the end of the day, when you're at work, you have to like, I I've, I've had plenty of parents yell at me of like, no one told me that we needed this ID for my kid. And it's like, well, 
we, we did, you know, we, there are three separate notifications that inform you of that. It, it, like before it, it would really frustrate me and I would carry that through the rest of my day. I would get so frustrated. Like, how could this person not bring their ID when we asked them to bring their ID? Arr. Now it's just like, yeah, okay. When's the next one coming in? 25 minutes? Cool. Like, you know, let's just, let's just chill out and relax for a few minutes. Like you have to, you have to roll with it and realize just like Lola said, um, we're all traumatized. We're all carrying a certain level of anxiety or frustration or tension in general or, or, or whatever. Some people are going to be frustrated because maybe, maybe the body piercing service that they're getting, maybe that was that catharsis they needed. Maybe that was that one thing of their day that they needed for, to, to turn things around. And when it can't go that way, then they're just going to explode. And all of the crap from their day is going to get dumped on you. A lot, try to look at it that it's like, it's their bad day. You don't have to make it your bad day. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like it, it doesn't make it okay, but it's their problem more than it is your problem. So um, I'm, I'm going to be actively trying to not, you know, like not, not vent, not complain, not carry stuff. If I have an unpleasant experience, I'm just going to chalk up to, well, that person's in a bad mood today and just try and get on with my life. Yeah. Well, um, Thank you for talking to me about some of this stuff. And I just want to say that I'm very proud of you. Thank and you. I've, I've watched you patiently wait for the day that you can get back to work. And um, even though it means maybe fewer Zoom dates and fewer movie days, I'm, no. I'm very excited. More Zoom dates. <laughs> More Zoom dates. I'm very excited for you to get back to work. Yeah, it's going to be good. And, you know, if you haven't been out of work for four months, be like massively grateful and, and, and thankful for your situation right now. I mean, yeah. I know everyone has different struggles, but I just think, you know, a little bit of perspective sometimes can be can be healthy. There's certainly people who are in a lot worse situations than I am right now. So I'm, I'm thankful for what I have. Yeah, well, that's a really good perspective. Some people some people look at this whole pandemic and be like, why is this happening to me? And it's like it's happening to all of us. Don't you worry about it. Well, um, I guess since this is going to go live the day that you're going back to work, have a great day at work today. Thanks. And um, when I get home. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, one last time for the people at home. I've got uh, a ton of new content at patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. I've got the, um, the two hour long statum basic usage class. Uh, it's great if you've never used a statum before, walks you through uh, a, a lot of the, the basics of usage and maintenance. Um, I've got an hour long class all about gloves and different kinds of gloves that would be safe or unsafe to use in a, in a body art studio, sterile versus non-sterile and latex versus nitrile and a whole lot more. Uh, I've got that new, um, it's about 20, 25 minute long video, uh, understanding healing times and, and aftercare issues. And on Sunday, May 2nd, I'll be doing that class all about needles. Um, the live version will be free. So follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook to get the, uh, the info and the, the invitation for that free class on Sunday, May 2nd, all about needles. Um, and if you miss the, the live class, you can go to patreon.com slash Ryan PBA, and that'll be available for on-demand viewing starting around mid-May 2021. Um, so thank you, baby. And go get to work. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.
I met her at her club down in old Glasgow. She looked at my ear, and in my lobe she put a hola. H-O-L-A, hola. I looked up at her, and I asked her her name. And since that moment, I've not been the same. She said, it's Lola. L-O-L-A, Lola. La, 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 Lola. Yeah, that really happened. It's a true story. I'm going to tell you the rest of it now. Well, I am a three-time world champion. But she held me down, and she pierced my tongue. That's my Lola. La, 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 Lola. Well, I'm not dumb, but I think you should know. Go to Forest Persing in Glasgow and ask for Lola. La, 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 Lola. La, 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 Lola. Go there now and have a nice day. Wow. Lola. Talk about a testimonial. That was mankind. And you put a nice piercing in his ear, pierced his tongue as well. And since that time, he has not been the same. Lola, this is the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. Yes, indeed. And it was your boyfriend, Ryan, who let me know all about Forrest Piercing there, right there in Glasgow, Scotland. I know you have been on lockdown since December, but you finally, finally, you get to reopen on Monday, April 26th. Ryan is asking if I might be able to give you some type of inspiration, but I think you can already feel that inspiration flowing through your veins. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. I want to make sure that you have a nice day. Oh my goodness, yeah. I can't wait. I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there to Glasgow and I'm going to get another piercing. It's been a long time since that happened. You are the correct person to do it for me. Oh yeah, I'm just trying to think if I can think of any words. Uh, let me see if I can think of them. That's the way that I wanted to stay. And I always wanted to be that way for my Lola. La, 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 Lola. If I need a piercing, I want you to know. I'll go to Forest Piercing in Glasgow and say to Lola. La, 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 Lola. Please pierce me, Lola. Yeah, all right. Wishing you the very best and hoping I didn't mess up that song as being myself. All the best to you, my friend. Good luck with your shop. Thank you for being a big fan. And thank you, Ryan, for thinking of me to help make this day nice. Yeah. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. I'm trying to think in my head what it is that sounds wrong, and it's British people I don't, don't say water bottle. They say bottle water. <laughs> That's how is that better? The wrong way around. What a bottle! <laughs> I'm quite thirsty. Could you pass me a water bottle? Bottle water. Bottle water. Can I get a bottle water? <laughs> it's quite dry in here, isn't it? <laughs> you shouldn't say in it.
shouldn't say in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like our cultural exchange. <laughs>